Children in this province should have rights too. Children should be in school. They have been through two incredibly difficult years. We asked the union to bring forth a proposal that withdraws a strike on Friday. All right, the education minister talking about rights of kids. They got a right to an education, but whose rights matter more? Is it the kids or the unions? And yes, the unions do have a right to strike. They have a right to negotiate fair wages. But a lot of people are saying, well, don't the kids have rights? And there's not a formal framework for this, but in this province, kids should have a right to an education. And they should have a right to attend school to have their education delivered in a way that would give them the opportunity to reach their potential. And yet, we know that kids have had their education interrupted for decades over these labor issues. They've been robbed of having a complete schooling experience, whether that's after school sports or actually full years. Um, But they lost an enormous amount of education during the lockdowns. So are we trampling the charter rights of children? Because there's no way that they're getting the education that taxpayers pay for, but that they're told they'll get to actually reach their uh, potential. So we thought we'd put this question out to someone who might be able to answer. Hopefully John Schumann can do that. He's a family children's right and education lawyer. I guess your phones are ringing a lot these days, eh? Yeah, it's a busy time of year. Yeah, there you go. So John, explain to me, because people ask, well, don't the kids have rights? Uh, Well, the short answer to that question is that uh, there is no legal right to an education in Ontario at all. And there is a... You know, the government of Canada ratified the UN Convention of the Rights of the Child, which Article 28 of which says that children have a right to a primary education. But there's been no information of that in Ontario. There's no law that says that uh, kids have a right to an education in Ontario. It's not part of the Ontario Bill of Rights. It's not a charter right. It's it, it, there is no absolute right to an education, and and the government has taken the Ontario government has taken. Uh, no steps to give them an absolute right to an education. You would think in a first world uh, country, in a G7 nation, uh, that that there would be um, uh, some writing on that. Uh, but it could be created. I mean, when you look at the rights of labor of workers in this country, they didn't always have the right to strike. It actually came in a 2015 Supreme Court decision that ruled for the first time that striking was a charter-protected right. And so they decided in that ruling um, that the right to strike would fall under the umbrella of freedom of association. So, um, you know, the judicial body overrode uh, the, le- the the legislators. So couldn't, if someone brought a motion, John, and said, we want children to have a right to education, could they not take that and make a charter challenge out of that? It'd be a, it'd be a difficult case to make, uh, mainly because there's a question like, what is the right that children have? And there has been a, a deliberately poli- deliberate policy decision by the Ontario government over decades to not sort of set a minimum right to an education, because obviously you've got a lot of different expectations for people as to what the education for the kids will look like. If you've got parents who want to homeschool their kids, parents who want to send their kids to religious school, parents who want to send their uh, kids to you know private schools that have certain values, kids who want to, parents who want to send their kids to public schools and values. So, you know, if you if you try to set a minimum a standard. There's a lot of resistance to that because as soon as you do that, a bunch of schools or types of education are going to fall off the table. So that's why there isn't an edu- a right to a, an education, even though I guess you could, you know, if you wanted to do something particularly complicated education, or sorry, completely complicated litigation, there'd be some complicated litigation to say that, wait, 
the right to the UN Convention of the Rights of the Child is binding on the Ontario government, so they have to provide a primary education. But I don't think there's a question that there's not going, they're not going to provide a prim primary education. They they did that during the pandemic. They just didn't do it in a way that a lot of people like, but kids still got a primary education. Maybe not the best one, which is, again, why there isn't a sort of a right to a certain standard of education. Yeah, well, I think that would surprise a lot of people because, you know, we paid $32 billion just last year for education. That's an enormous amount. So we're spending about 16000 when you average that out for a child's education in this province. And we know that they've got failing grades. We know that they had an enormous amount of learning loss during the pandemic. And this particular generation of kids, I think, are really being shortchanged in their education. There's already data out that says like they will be at a disadvantage uh, later in life because they missed so much education. And so I have to think, um, you know, if the province, if a place like Ontario can't guarantee the kids will get educated, then certainly I think the premier should give parents choice. Uh, to your point about other schools, give parents a voucher. They can decide for themselves where they want to get their kids educated. Because if it's not going to be open in the public system, you know, um, what else are parents supposed to do? Well, that, that idea that, that kids are, need to have an education, and there's some kids who have uh, particular needs, actually plays into this mm -hmm. problem. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't eliminate the problem because the, there's a lot of kids who have special needs. They're called exceptional pupils under the Education Act. And they they go from kids who have who have profound disabilities to kids who are gifted and you know all kinds of needs in between. A lot of those kids rely very heavily on these education workers to go to school. Mm -hmm. In order to deliver the same sort of standard of education to those kids to get reach the fullest of their, of their potential, they need the assistance of these education workers. And that's right. where school boards run into some problems and why a lot of them think they now have to close is because as soon as if, if they were to say fine we'll open the schools and we will let in all the kids all those kids who need a ea or need a uh, a child and youth worker or need some other sort of you know assistance from a, a non-teacher on a daily basis and there are a lot of them that require like you know a lot of help mm -hmm. like all the kids with autism all the kids who can't feed themselves even some kids with physical disabilities who need help from these, these people to you know get into their classroom or do other parts of their daily routine they all of a sudden can't go to school because the people who help them do that aren't there. And then they right. have a charter uh, uh, right and a Ontario Human Rights Code uh, right to the same access to education to everybody else. So that puts the school board in an uh, in an unfortunate situation where they have to provide you know equal access to everyone. So they're going to say, well, we can't provide in learning uh, education to you know our most our neediest students. So we're not providing class education to anybody, we're going to have to go virtual because everyone will get basically the same thing, have basically the same access. It'll, you know, suck for everybody. Yeah. One of the other things, and I don't know if this is a jurisdiction you can speak to, but I mean, there's a lot of conversations. There are people in, in the union in question now that do deserve more money. You look at an ECE worker or an EA, they work incredibly hard. Their job is very difficult uh, of what they are put up against every day. Is there not a way that they could move? I mean, I know the education unions, like the teachers unions will look at them and say, well, you don't have the same credentials as we do. And I think the ECEs could look at the teachers and say, well, we work a hell of a lot harder in different areas. But the fact that they're in this smaller union puts them at a distinct disadvantage that will not ever play in their favor. Yeah, well, it, it is definitely true that a lot, I mean, some of these workers who are, you know, child and youth workers, they've got college, a college education. 
And mm. you know, to be a, 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 a you know, um, an ECE, you need a college education. And you know, for all, a lot of these positions now, you need a, a college education. And to be good at these jobs, you need you know a college university education. And it it speaks to the fact that you know when it comes to um, you know looking after kids as a society, we've traditionally paid these workers much less and. I mean, that's one thing their union is fighting over is that, you know, they do, their work is more valuable than they're paid for. And so, but they aren't, you know, teachers and they don't have, you know, the teachers would respond by saying, you know, teachers are a regulated profession. They have a college, they have standards they have to meet. And if they don't meet them, they can lose their license to practice. And teachers do that on a regular basis. There is a, the Ontario College of Teachers is very active in regulating and, and maintaining standards, which isn't the case for necessarily all these other professions. So they're not exactly on the same place, but they are a profession that has been traditionally undervalued. Yeah, and the problem is, as you would know, um, if they give this particular union the amount that they need to catch up with the other unions, and then unions look at that and say, all right, the bar's set, let's go. Well, that's, that's I think, part of the, the policy rationale of this is that we've got to keep is you know raised eleven percent to this group, everyone's going to want eleven percent, yeah. and everyone's going to want to keep up with standard of living, and that's that's the argument the union is making that they are make the proposals they're going to make far less than you know the increases or the uh, rate of inflation, which means their standard of living is going to decrease quite a bit under this imposed contract. Is why they're fighting it, and why other unions are support them in fighting it, so that people can at least have keep what they've got right now. It'll be interesting to see where the chips fall on this, but I appreciate your insight. Thanks a lot for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's John Schumann, who is a family, children's right, and education lawyer. So we'll probably lean on him uh, as we get these kinds of negotiations. I mean, the one thing is, it's not like this union can say, well, let's bump up the ECEs with this amount and the others will get that amount. They all have to get the same amount. Plus, it's all not just money. There's sick days. There's prep time. There's all sorts of other things in this uh, in this negotiation as well.